Is everyone here? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Are we good? Can yeah. We go? <laughs> Sick. Okay. Are you ready for it? Welcome to Ready For It, a Taylor Swift podcast. I'm Chandler. I'm Rebecca. I'm Bailey. And I'm Lizzie. So be fearless. Speak now. Put on your favorite shade of red. While shaking it off in a getaway car. Because sometimes you need to calm down. And wrap yourself up in your favorite cardigan. To find some happiness. And listen as we talk about the iconic poet herself, Miss Swift. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about The Outside, which is the sixth track on Taylor Swift's debut album. All right. This song was released October 24th, 2006. It is three minutes and 29 seconds long. Taylor Swift is the sole writer on this. The producers are Robert Ellis Oral and Nathan Chapman. And so Taylor wrote this song when she was just 12 years old. It's written about loneliness. You know, when we dive into the lyrics, that becomes very obvious. But it's basically from, correct me if I'm wrong, because it, I had a little bit of trouble finding like reliable sources for this song for the background. But it was when she, or it was about her experience in Reading, PA. So she just never felt like she belonged. Like she would say like, and I'm sure she has a quote about this, I think I saw um, that Chandler would dive into. But she would say that she was too tall or, you know, she wasn't doing what the, you know, other, all the other girls were doing on the weekends and having sleepovers. You know, she was singing country songs and, you know, she, she just had different priorities than them. And she was considered weird and different because of that. Because, you know, 12-year-olds especially are ruthless. So <laughs> she didn't feel like she fit in anywhere. She felt awkward and different yeah that's kind of in line with what I found in terms of quotes but before we get into it I really want to touch on what you said about this being written just by Taylor this is the first one on this album that's written solely by her and that's all amazing because she was 12 years old when she originally wrote this right yeah and I also kind of want to touch on Robert Ellis Oral He's like a big deal in the songwriting world. So it's kind of crazy that she's so young and she wrote like A Place in This World with him and several other songs on debut, but like also like that he was producing her music. I think that that's crazy because he was, he's such a big deal in the songwriting world. No, I agree. That's all I really had to say about that. So quotes, again, I had a difficult time finding reliable sources. My only sources this time are Song Facts, <laughs> songfacts.com again. And according to Song Facts, she told, Taylor told Entertainment Weekly, I wrote this about the scariest feeling I've ever felt, going to school, walking down the hall, looking at all those faces and not knowing who you're going to talk to that day. People always ask, how did you have the courage to walk up to record labels when you were 12 or 13? It's because I could never feel the kind of rejection in the music industry that I felt in middle school. And just like, ow, <laughs> that hurts. I'm so yeah. sorry. It's completely different to, it's one thing to get rejected by like big record labels and executives like that that are adults, right? You expect that in the business. You know, you know that going in that you're not going, you might not get lucky right away. But when it comes to like your peers and people your own age, it just hits differently. You know, not being accepted by people that are supposed to accept you is hard. Like, and it's, I mean, I've definitely experienced this like in middle school or, you know, you know, starting a new job or like, just being someplace new in general, you you don't really know what to say to people. You might feel like you're awkward. You know, you never know. Like I I don't know. Like I'm being awkward now. Yeah, <laughs> this just reminds me of how like mean middle schoolers can be. I was gonna say that I was pretty sure she was bullied in middle school, and I googled it, and this is a quote that came up from an interview. I so it, there's actually no proof that this is about this song, but I think based on the song and what we've talked about and the other, her other quotes, that this could be related to this song. So that's why I'm going to share it. She says, quote, junior high was actually sort of hard because I got dumped by this group of popular girls. They didn't think I was cool or pretty enough, so they stopped talking to me. And this was 
when she was in Pennsylvania. So this was prior to her move to Nashville. So I really do think that this most likely is relating to this experience. Yeah, because when I was researching, I'm, that's what I came across, that it was when she was in Pennsylvania. So because when she got to Nashville, she felt like she fit in a little bit more. I remember her talking about also not fitting in very much in Nashville either because she was always doing her music. Right. Yeah. Right. And um, I thought that she thought that she was like this big hotshot kind of thing. Yeah. People just were rude. Um, I have another quote from her about this song. She said, this is one of the first songs I ever wrote. And it talks about the very reason I ever started to write songs. It was when I was 12 years old and a complete outcast at school. I was a lot different than all the other kids, and I never really knew why. I was taller and sang country music at karaoke bars and festivals on the weekends while other girls went to sleepovers. Some days I woke up not knowing if anyone was going to talk to me that day. I think every person comes to a point in their life when you have a long string of bad days. You can choose to let it drag you down, or you can find ways to rise above it. I came to the conclusion that even though people hadn't always been there for me, music had. It's strange to think how different my life would be right now if I had been one of the cool kids. Yeah, and I, uh, so writing music for her was a coping mechanism. Yeah, I mean, I think she's, I think she's made that clear, but it's so interesting to see that even from the beginning, she was writing to cope with things that don't have anything to do with relationships and like romantic relationships, I mean. Right. So I have one more. I don't know if this is a quote per se, but I found it on Song Facts as well. Um, They said that after writing The Outside, the 12-year-old Swift noted in her diary, I don't know if it'll go anywhere, but it made me feel better. And I don't know if that's like from the lover diaries. I didn't have time to check all four of mine before we recorded. But how crazy would it be if that's if that is in the Lover Diaries? Somebody tell us if it is. You don't know where my CD is. I think it's in Georgia and I'm in Maryland. So that's not helpful. <laughs> I mean, I have all four of the diaries. I just like don't think I would have the time right now to like go through. And I, only- I don't know. Well, we can let one of our listeners let us know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, but that's all the quotes that I had. All right. So I don't have much in terms of like any awards or anything or any critical acclamations, but I do have a quote from Rick Bell, who was with Country Standard Time. He gave a generally positive review saying that Swift had smart songwriting and that her deeply personal self-penned songs, particularly The Outside and Our Song, were stirring. And I, I think I agree. And like, we'll get there when we get into the lyrics, but it, it, it is kind of stirring, you know, like you don't, you don't really think about how being bullied or not feeling like you fit in really how it makes you feel until you kind of listen to this song. The song when I was younger always made me feel really like heard, basically, because I wasn't bullied in like the outward like kind of way it was more in the kind of way where they were like the popular girls were nice to your face and then they talk shit about you behind your back right and they had that fake condescending smile (laughs) yep (laughs) but i this song just always i used to listen to this song and it just made me feel better about my life because of like taylor swift was going through something like that and she was taylor swift then like i would be fine like you can get through it is if Taylor is went through it, then that means like you can too. Yeah. You know, that's something that now that I'm thinking about what you just said, Chan, that's something I really truly love about Taylor Swift. Through her writing, we as fans are able to humanize her. Yeah. Yeah. And see her because a lot of times, like with celebrities and especially artists, especially artists who don't really write their own music or aren't really taking the lead in the creative process it's so easy to idolize something and by idolizing some someone sometimes you inadvertently dehumanize them even if it's just it's not your intention but you know taylor swift didn't grow up as a celebrity she completely writes her own music almost solo and she chooses to bring on people to be like to better herself and her music but 
these kinds of songs are allow us to connect to her on a human level yeah. that that basic human level of like we were you know we were pushed out we were we didn't fit in like we've all felt that every single person has yeah. felt like they haven't fit in at some point that's yes. why um, i know that you know she gets a lot and we talked a lot about you know the autobiographical pieces of her music and she gets a lot of backlash for i guess being so autobiographical but i like that about yeah. this song in particular like it's very autobiographical it's very vulnerable it's it really makes you even if you haven't felt this way i feel like when you listen to it you can actually feel what that other person is feeling right i mean it's it's the honesty and even in her songs that are not autobiographical in nature such as what we're experiencing with folklore and evermore even in the, some of the songs that we will discuss in the future slash have discussed already, she's still honest in it, you know? And I think mm -hmm. it's the honesty that really right. helps keep her human almost. Connected to her fans and it like... She's vulnerable. Yeah, she's vulnerable and, yes. and she's honest and that resonates with us as fans of her music. And she's not afraid to right. let us know that she, you know, was vulnerable about about this kind of thing. She's not afraid to let us know that she's been through this, even though she's, you know, a pop star sensation. Yeah, and that's something that I kind of missed in the reputation and um, like lover eras is her really explaining how personal these songs are to us, like through interviews. And I totally get why she doesn't anymore because. I mean, the media was just and still is just not fair to her. And they have pretty much like demonized almost everything that she writes about. But right. I miss when she felt the freedom to be so honest with us. I remember reading somewhere in her very, very early days, somebody did like an interview with her and they basically said that they wished all celebrities were like her because she was open and honest and willing to talk about her experiences. Uh, right. I, I just, I saw this line that from the fam, Taylor Swift fandom.com. So I don't know it's their thought on it, but Taylor wrote this song in order to get her emotions out into a song, but wrote it in a way that made it relatable for anyone who is going through the same situation as her, which she has continued to do in each of her albums. But, you know, and I think about like one of her ultimate fan faves, All Too Well. I feel like this song, similar to All Too Well, was a song where she like didn't expect it to have the kind of like, well, maybe not this song, but like the her emotions and how she wrote it. She didn't expect people to relate to it as much. Yeah. And then they do. And then she's like, oh my God, I was just getting my emotions out. You know what I mean? Like she, she this is her diary. Yeah. Right. And the fact that so many people can relate to it is what makes all of her writing very special. Yeah. So something that I came across with these, the middle school and the bullying um, was this specific instance that she's talked about in an interview where she was friends with the popular group of girls and before they dumped her they were like doing what they they did to Chandler where they were you know acting nice to her and then I guess you know behind her back were completely different and I guess she asked this group of girls to go to the mall with her and they all said no and her mom's like well i'll just take you to the mall and so she goes to the mall with her mom and she sees the exact same group of girls at the mall and so they all just were like yeah we don't want to go and then they all just went together and left her out purposely i remember uh, hearing about I, this isn't this the when her mom took her like out of town to like a fancier mall and they like yes yeah. god bless her mother you bet they She's the yeah, best. <laughs> but yeah, I think it relates to the lyrics when she talks about like, and I know we're not in the lyrics portion yet, but like, I can see you and this, this isn't like the best view kind of yeah. thing. I kind of, I wonder if it was that moment that she's talking about where she runs into those group of girls at the mall. <laughs> Middle school was so awful. Yeah. Yeah. It was not a fun time. 
well and then when you're like 12 and 14 and that's like your friend group is your entire life so to for something like that to happen at that age that just like it kills you like that's your whole world like coming crashing down now as an adult if like somebody were to be like no i don't want to go and then you run into them you're just kind of like wow that was shitty but okay i'd be like what a bitch (laughs) right yeah exactly (laughs) tell me to my face (laughs) but like then it was like the worst thing that could have happened to you that was like the ultimate betrayal anyways yeah do we want to move on to the lyrics yeah sure go for it okay first verse okay i didn't know what i would find when i went looking for a reason I know I didn't read between the lines, and baby, I've got nowhere to go. Rebecca, did we lose you? <laughs> I'm here. Do you guys hear yeah, me? Yeah, stop it. I've got nowhere to go. Yeah, because that's the end of the first verse, right? Try to take the road less traveled by. Sorry, it's listed differently. <laughs> like, it's listed separately, so I just... No, you're fine. Just assumed. yet... Sorry, okay. that I probably should have gone through to make sure that the song wasn't structured differently. Just go ahead and read that part. Okay, I tried to take the road less traveled by, but nothing seems to work the first few times. Am I right? <laughs> um, Sorry. One thing that jumps out, I did not think it was, am I right? Thought it was, and I'm glad. So look at me not oh. doing any of the fucking lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, starting off strong on this song. I mean, seriously. I love how this song is so depressing, <laughs> but so upbeat. And she does that a lot. Yeah. She does that in a lot of her like songs that could be really, really eviscerating if they weren't so up tempo and so happy. And like this one specifically just sounds like a summer's day like I gotta be honest this the sound of this song makes me happy but when I listen to the lyrics then I'm like oh fuck this is- it's such a juxtaposition really yeah yeah it is yeah I mean the these lyrics in this verse they're it's kind of like they're she's not giving us a whole lot but we're still so we're only getting like a little bit of the picture about like what this song is about like if you're listening to it for the first time ever she's she's giving us a little like we're not getting a whole lot in this first verse i do like the line where she says i tried to take the road less traveled by knowing that this is a song about how she was bullied for being different than like the popular girls right i like yeah that line really fits with that you know something that i find interesting in this song she's fairly ambiguous yeah like you can take this song if you like once you go through the whole lyrics and apply it to a lot of different situations you know it, it's like it's kind of funny as you like you read about it and you find out this is about bullying and you're like oh oh like okay like that works but like oh you know because it can just be applied like in so many different ways yeah i agree it could be about a relationship it could. there i mean i think that's why like kind of I mentioned this in the previous episode but with peace and folklore like how her interpretation of peace is completely different than somebody else's for her it's about her partner whereas for other people it's about their partner but a totally different totally different way like you know it could be like or dealing with someone's mental illness or whatever it is like where that's not at all what she was writing about like that's that's what makes like a song like this so amazing because it has like tons of different interpretations (laughs) it does and i think it's a really good breath of fresh air because all of her songs up until now and as a writer she's known very well for her imagery and she's very specific in a lot of her songs well except for folklore and evermore and her later albums but her beginning albums through 1989 she was very specific she's not very ambiguous in a lot of her music and so it's nice to see a song where it, you you can just apply it in so many different ways. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that's so amazing about her songwriting is that she can be so detailed and so specific and it can still relate to people. But uh, having this song that could be so broad, it's it, it right. could be for anything. I agree. Exactly. Broad's a great word. Thank you. That's what I needed. <laughs> that's my adjective. All right. 
Moving on to the chorus. So how can I ever try to be better? Nobody ever lets me in. I can still see you. This ain't the best view on the outside looking in. I've been a lot of lonely places. I've never been on the outside. This very first line in the chorus really gets me. I feel like, and like, I know I've known probably the whole time that I've known this song that it was about her being bullied and her experience with that. And so just, just seeing, so how can I ever try to be better? Nobody ever lets me in. It's, it's basically like she's saying, I don't know what's wrong with me. You're not telling me what I'm doing wrong here because you're not letting me in. And that's, it feels like the kind of desperation that you really only feel in when you're young and you want so badly to fit in. Right. I also feel like the first two lines, so how can I ever try to be better? Nobody ever lets me in. Because of, like we talked about before, we because we talked about the ambiguity and Liz mentioned, you know, it could be about, you know, her, you know, trying to, to get a song, you know, trying to get a record deal. I feel like the first two lines could relate to that. Like, she tried for, I think it was 136 weeks or something like that before she even got a record deal. And, you know, all of these people keep telling her no, but she's like, well, you know, how how can I do it if you're not letting me in? You're not telling me what I can do differently to get a record label, you know? It's kind of like getting a job right after, like, you yeah. graduate. <laughs> you yeah. need five years like, of experience how- for this entry-level position. How right. am I supposed to get experience if you won't let me have an entry-level position without experience? And also, I think it's very interesting here that she sees herself as the one at fault instead of the other person, right? Yeah, but- because we know this is coming from a bullying situation specifically. And looking back, it's like, these were the girls... It- the girls were the ones that had the problem. It wasn't Taylor. It was them, right? But right. she's absorbing that fault and saying, like, okay, when you're willing so much to try to, like, make something work, you know, when she's just saying that, you know, like, how can I ever do, like, how can I progress? How can I have any kind of growth if you won't let me know what I'm doing wrong? She- yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, And I, I actually, like extremely relate to that because I was in a situation in like probably middle school too where a girl I had been friends with just all of a sudden decided she didn't like me and she didn't want me to be my friend and she was kind of like keeping other people from being my friend and I remember sitting there after she was like whispering about me right in front of my face I remember asking her, what did I ever do to you? Like, why are you like this to me? And getting no answers. Right. That's awful. It's like when you're in like a three-person friend group. Yes. And there's always that one person that like is just not in like the wall. Like you just feel so left out of everything. Like this also kind of reminds me of that. (laughs) Like being the third wheel. You You are. Yes. Also being the third wheel. Same. Yeah. I mean, you just want to, like, hug young Taylor and just be like, it's okay. Like, you are going to be one of the most famous people in the world. Like, all those people that bullied you, like, forget about them. They're probably kicking themselves right now. Like, or they'll deny ever bullying you and try to, like, get famous off of TikTok saying yes. you. Yes. Seen so many of those. <laughs> Not that I know that all those people bullied her. Don't want to put that on them. But I've seen all the people talking about how like they knew Taylor Swift when she was in like middle school or high school. Mm-hmm. But you know, what's even worse is like, she writes these songs about like how she was bullied. And I know the best day has to deal kind of with like her bullying as well. She kind of has a nod to that. And like, she desperately craved those female friendships and then she finally got them in like the 1989 era and she was demonized so heavily by the media with the quote girl squad that she basically had to like go underground with her friendships yeah which is so when she finally was able to round herself with like a group of healthy women you know what i mean who could relate to her experiences and anyways well so something that was always really frustrating to me about that whole situation and how the media portrayed it she posted one instagram with like the caption squad goals which was something everybody was doing back then she didn't yeah she just did it because it was it was basically a trend, and the media it was the media were it. 
they were vultures and like to the point where she's literally she still won't talk too much about her friendships if she does it's through like like i know she's talked about blake and like she'll give like a part of her interview to like a magazine talking about blake like for blake's interview if that makes sense you know what i mean like when they interview like somebody else like and ask them one question or say like can you say something you love the most about your friend or whatever for this interview we're doing with blake she's done that with blake and Gigi. and like i think she's done it for like somebody who was like on the time list of yes the people of the year or whatever that list is but she's like not directly she doesn't really directly speak out about her friends anymore It was uh, the Crisp from Fleabag. Yes, yes. And I think she's done it with Todrick as well. I think, anyways, but the point, you know, the point is, is like that, those lasting effects, it was just like so bad on like what they did to her so much that like even now she's like, she still won't like really directly talk about her friends in an interview. So only like musical collaborators (laughs) for the most part. Yeah disappointing because it's like nobody should ever feel like they have to like hide a part of their life but i know being a sub with it's but especially something so innocent though like it's not even like a relationship in the sense of this big like protection of like the person you're in love with the most and you want to protect that so it doesn't get destroyed it's just like her casual friendships that like and surrounding herself with women who supported her and could relate to her be also being celebrities and under like somebody she could have a soundboard off of that wasn't her mom as much as andrea is like amazing sometimes it's good to have someone around your own age that's like directly experiencing a situation to like talk to you know yeah. and like, yeah. then the media demonized her for it and so I just feel so bad because you see this you see young Taylor at 12 years old being purposely left out and bullied and like she didn't have a lot of friends and you know it's very difficult to make friends in the music industry the way that she chugged out freaking albums and like cranked those albums out and like went on tour because like if you think about it the first 13 years of the music industry for her you know with her cycle of like putting an album out two year every two years she puts an album out she spends time touring and then while she's touring she's writing her other album she gets a short break where she finishes writing her album and then she's on to promoting her next album and then it just like continued it's a machine it is she was a machine for those 13 years like basically up until 1989 and then she finally was so burnt out you know and she finally was like took the time and she said so in her interview yes there is no she said she wanted there is no missing era ready for it podcast girls are very against that theory (laughs) where she said like i'm so burned out kind of thing and like i want to take the time to like you know figure out what kind of wine i like and how to bake this or make my favorite pasta dish or you know like whatever and i mean she was and even she, so self-aware at that point where she even said i think people are getting kind of sick of me i, I need to take a break yes right it's the a, overexposure it's because she was very overexposed in 1989 oh my god can we get jamil jamila yeah. jamil on this podcast to talk about how the media yes. overexposes women to like demonize them yeah yeah <laughs> we're huge friends yes. we're, we're huge fans but so, so and then she just took the time to cultivate those beautiful relationships with her friends and then they anyway sorry go on bailey but uh, like i was just gonna say like at, at the end of the chorus she says i've been a lot of lonely places i've never been on the outside and so it's like i almost feel like i wonder if that if she could relate those lyrics to how she felt when she felt she had to go completely radio silent for three years before she released Reputation. You know, because everyone, like you said, like everyone's demonizing her because she didn't have these friends and now she's coming out and, you know, she's saying, oh, I'm friends with all of these people. And, you know, they're, they're criticizing her and they're mocking her and demonizing her for having these friends. And so then it's like, what do you want me to do? What, what is it that you want me to do? One thing I think about that specific line i've been a lot of lonely places i've never been on the outside this really resonates with like the idea that this is the first time she's experiencing this kind of bullying or like being left out like that i don't know that really resonates with me the way that it's phrased it's like when you realize for the first time that like gut wrenching moment that like heart dropping moment when you realize oh these people are actively 
leaving me out. Right. You know, uh, I can just, that the pain of that, like I can feel it in those lyrics. And then I also want to bring up, I can still see you. This ain't the best view on the outside looking in. Um, I know we talked about how a place in this world and like this song remind us of outside looking in by Jordan Pruitt. I was going to mention it like before too, like how this song still reminds me of and a place in this world. Yeah. Yeah. I looked up the song and she wrote it. It was released in 2006. It was like a few months before Taylor Swift's album was released. But I think it's so ironic that these are very similar songs that were being released by these young singer songwriters about about the same thing about the same time. Yeah, I mean, because it means that it, it's it's a trend among especially songwriters. And it's funny because like nowadays songwriters and people that are making art are often celebrated a lot more. I mean, I'm, I can't speak for every, you know, middle schooler out there and every, but I, I think that times have changed in that way because like you see things like online, you see like there, there's more outlets for them. And whereas, and you know, the, early to mid 2000s doing things like that wasn't as normal if that makes sense you know songwriting and then performing on the weekends and like then again kids can make fun of anything they'll find a reason yeah if they don't like that you're doing it also a little bit of jealousy like people you know want a talent they want to be different too but they don't understand that yet and so what do they do? They isolate a girl. They bully her. And it's not right. And it still happens today. Different instances. Yeah, I think the worse, social I media think. and, like, the internet have made that all a lot worse. Yeah, I was going to say it's, yeah. It's almost heightened because of social media. Like, you get it from everywhere. Yeah, because we got the okay. very first, like, tail end of, like, social media, like, bullying um, with like Facebook groups, like about hating certain people at school or whatever. But now, do you guys remember it was like an anonymous thing that people could like? Yes, really yes. About other people, I called. called. I don't remember, but it. I remember when Facebook started. That was like one of the big things going around. Like people could, you know, anonymously say like really rude things about other people. And I never had one because I like was afraid to because I didn't. <laughs> I don't want people to like say something to me because I'm like always avoiding con- like controversial anything or like anything to do with arguing. I don't want to be a part of it. Like just to clarify, this is so, not yik yak. This was something before yeah, yik yak. I was just gonna say. Oh, no. I remember <laughs> what this is. I don't remember I mean, what it was called. It was some like a not. It was a forum similar to yik yak where people. But like you made a profile just... for yourself more or less, and you shared your link. Yeah. And people could just click on it and anonymously like. Our, Rebecca and I had them, and I remember literally like Rebecca and I would send each other messages like "I love you so much" <laughs> and be like "Oh, thank you, Jenny," or like "Thank you, Bexy." Like we totally knew it was each other, but like yeah, I saw it, I, I saw it get taken way too far. Okay, so I just wanted to pause with the social media thing because we talked about how Jordan Pruitt had a song called Outside Looking In that was, like, kind of similar. So I was, like, listening to you guys. I'm like, what the hell happened to Jordan Pruitt? Oh, my God. Where did she go? It's bad. It is. I Googled it. So she retired from... The music industry she announced her retirement in 2017 however as of december 2018 she wrote like a huge long facebook post talking about her past abuse in the music industry and how she was heavily abused by her former manager and record producer keith thomas is somebody she named by name and she has a lawsuit filed against them that she filed against them in 2019 and she's writing this book that's supposed to be coming out soon I wonder if the lawsuit's probably going to have, we'll probably put that back because you're not usually legally supposed to talk about that kind of stuff when you're in the middle of litigation. Anyways, long story short, that really puts the outside looking in in a totally different perspective. Because like with Taylor, yes, she was bullied. We've all been middle school bullied. But Jordan was going through significant trauma and abuse that literally led to her ending her own career. Right. Yeah, she's also suing Disney. I mean, it's crazy stuff, right? I remember also when Taylor was like, you know, like basically posting about all the stuff that happened with her previous label. And yeah, I I think Jordan Pruitt was one of the people like cheering her on 
I'm pretty sure I remember seeing her. Like, I'm going on her Twitter right now, and I don't think I have time to, like, scroll all the way through. But I remember her, like, tweeting at Taylor and saying, like, you go, girl, pretty much. Yeah, here it is. November 17th, 2020, Jordan, like... This entire situation infuriates me and you've handled it with such grace and class. We all hope you finally own your masters again. Never let anyone silence that strong voice of yours. You Listen, are an inspiration to all of us. So in addition to that, she tweeted, I'm not sure when this is because I just Googled Jordan Pruitt, Taylor Swift, but she tweeted after all this stuff with Scooter Braun was going on, she retweeted one of Scooter's tweets when he was, I think it must have been this summer because um, it's talking about how, like, you remember when all, or last summer, summer 2020, um, when all the stuff with Ellen DeGeneres was going on. Like, was like, people love to take shots at people. They love to see people fall. How quickly so many forget Ellen is a kind, thoughtful, courageous human being who stands for what is right, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then Jordan said, she quoted the, tr- she quoted the, tweet, the tweet and she said, You should know better than anyone how to take shots since you've been trying to bring down Taylor Swift for years. Come on, keep playing your quote unquote Hollywood game, though. We see you. Yep. I just yes, Jordan. Yes. I knew I loved her. All right. Jordan is like, I to follow her on You know what's Twitter, funny is I, I found know. this on Reddit and someone else just responded just just to like the whole thing. And it says, sir, you are defending someone who is under investigation for workplace abuse. Read the room, my dude. <laughs> he can't. He can't. I know. <laughs> and, you know, she, Jordan Pruitt, I mean, we could go on and on and talk about her, but she also had a, a baby girl this past year and... She said she can scream her. She was like, this sounds so silly, but when my baby girl is super cranky, I, I put Taylor Swift on shuffle and it soothes her. She can be screaming her head off. And as soon as I put oh on all two Okay, this, this literally warms my heart so much. I'm literally scrolling through like all this stuff where I Googled Jordan Pruitt, Taylor Swift. And it says like Selena Gomez and Jordan Pruitt have showed solidarity with Swift. Like I'm not going to go into it, but like, I was such a fan of Jordan Pruitt when I was younger because she was she was like she was one of those Disney Channel people. She had music and like all my favorite Disney Channel original movies. And like I was a huge fan of hers. I remember when she was on The Voice like and it just really warms my heart to see that she's also a Swifty. I love it. Yes. Yeah. She's like retweeting long con sessions stuff when it drops like Jordan. Yes. Okay, but back to their songs being similar. Yes, they are very similar, but I think it is really telling that how they came out around. They're around the same, the same time, age too. Like, yeah, she's about to be thirty. Taylor yeah. Swift just turned thirty-one. So they obviously yeah. can relate to each other more so than we will ever know. We've all been in situations, I'm sure, of like being bullied and being outside of something. You saw me there, but never knew I would give it all up to be a part of this, a part of you. And now it's all too late. So you see, you could have helped if you had wanted to, but no one notices until it's too late to do anything. So one of the things that pops out to me is, and now it's all too late. So you see, you could have helped if you had wanted to, but no one notices until it's too late to do anything. So that it almost... Like that lyric could almost be related to the sexual assault um, trial that she had. Like no one notices that, you know, this is an issue in the industry until it's too late. Oh, I never. And also Jordan Pruitt situation. Obviously, we know that's not what this is actually about because this was like years before. But that's an excellent parallel. Like, and, you know, like, no one notices until it's too late to do anything. Like, and it's the same thing with the situation with Scooter and, and Big Machine. You know, these these record labels are pariahs to these these artists, it's especially female artists. But no one notices until someone goes through it and now they're in the middle of it and it's too late to do anything about it. I also kind of see those specific lyrics as, like, almost a warning to, like, bullies out there. Like, because you never know, trigger warning, you never know what somebody is is going through. And you don't, you could push them over the edge. Like, that is completely possible. So, it almost feels like she's warning her bullies. Or not her bullies, but just bullies in general. Mm -hmm. 
two different songs and about different things but I think about 15 and I think about when she says at the end like I realized some bigger dreams of mine like this kind of reminds me of that because obviously she's talking about something different in 15 but this is kind of like saying like okay no one notices until it's too late to do anything and so you're kind of like right yeah sol like oh like nobody noticed her until it's too late because she's like famous or am I misunderstanding yes I love I also like in the beginning of this chorus where she's talking about how like you saw me you saw me standing there you knew I was on the outside but what you don't know is that I would I would give up everything to be friends with you like to be a part of your group like I think that's so relatable to just sit there and like feel ostracized and just be like I would do anything to make this go away I would do anything to have friends, to have people to talk to. Yeah, no, and I think like, she's really careful, kind of like what we were saying about the first verse, like she's really ambiguous because she's not really being like too specific about like, if she's talking about an individual, like, you know, one specific friend of hers that used to be her friend or a group of girls or whatever the situation is. And unless you know the background of the song, like, you, I mean, because she's saying, you saw me there, like, she's constantly saying, you, 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 you don't know if that you is, like, you know, yeah. one person or a group. Yeah, I mean, that it can sense. be applied to, like, one person or a group, and it's, like you said, it's, she's, it's ambiguous, she's making it so that a lot of people can relate to whatever she's trying to say in this song, and they can fit it to their own situations. Right. Rebecca, any thoughts right. on this, this verse? I'm sorry, guys. This is one of my skips, and like, <laughs> I struggle with this song. Um, it's a good song, you know, but I don't have a lot of strong emotions about it. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm like that that I'm Kronk from Cusco. <laughs> you know Where what I mean? Where he's like the poison for the poison for Cusco. Cusco's poison. The, co- the poison made for Cusco. Like, you know what I mean? When you're, like, trying to write an essay and you're, like, trying to come up with, like, a bunch of different ways to say the same thing for fluff. I don't want to do that because it's really rude. Yeah. No. But that's where okay, I'm at mentally. Guys. I'm in the Emperor's New Group. I realized with, so Genius.com, they made the connection about, like, the um, lover journal. So it was, I guess, the lyric it was dated February 13th and 14th in 2004. And she Swift amusingly noted in those entries that she finished the track on Valentine's Day. So she finished writing That's this. So sad. So this is almost, yeah. Oh, okay. But babe, you were 12. A lot of us didn't have anything better to do. <laughs> like, no, I mean, I know, I know obviously well, she's on, 12. Yeah. I remember what it was like to be 12. But, you know, looking back, a lot, most of us didn't have anything better to do on Valentine's Day when we were 12. Right. Alright, so the chorus repeats itself and then according the to the bridge Genius. to me com, on genius.com says, Oh yeah, that's a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> what a bridge. Okay, so I'm looking yeah. in I I get okay. my lyrics from the album booklet and she has no bridge. She repeats the chorus and then it repeats again, but she like yeah. I don't think she changes the final chorus and any, but she writes out, she writes after the second verse, she writes repeat chorus. And then she writes out the chorus. Yeah. So the chorus repeats twice, right? Yes. Yeah, but it looks like it's the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the only real difference is that at the beginning of the second repetition of the chorus, she gets really quiet. The music gets really quiet. And then when she says, nobody ever lets me in, it like really, the music. Yeah. 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 I got what you're saying. I always thought she didn't say, oh, yeah. I always thought, I always thought it was oh, like, now. oh, oh. I don't know why. No. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is just a very simple yeah, song. But she again, was 12. She wrote it when she, when she was 12 years old. So. And this was her first, like, like we said, the first song yeah. that was solely written by I her actually... album. So we can't expect like a masterpiece but props to her for really putting good. this I mean, song on her album four years later after she wrote it because when you're 12 compared to when you're 16 a lot can change like yeah. she could very well not 
have put this on the album because it just didn't apply to her life anymore. But I think it's a, I mean, she said this was like the first song she wrote after she got her first guitar or after she got a guitar. So, I mean, I love it. I love it. It's kind of an homage to like her roots, even when we're looking at this and we think like this is her roots, like this whole album. Yeah, I mean, I don't skip this song, mostly because I think that the music is really fun. Um, I really enjoy how up-tempo it is, and so that's kind of why it's not really a skip for me. But I can see how people would skip this one. It's a skip for me. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm with Becca on this one. Like, bless you. It's, it's really not one of my favorites. I would skip it every time unless I was committed to listening to the whole album all the way through. I'm not keeping it. Yeah. This is kind of similar to a place in this world for me. I mean, I like now the difference is, is like after we went through a place (laughs) in this world, I had like a whole new respect for it. Whereas one is kind of the same. I I haven't really changed my thoughts on it. I think really discover anything new about it. Other than the fact well, that Jordan yeah. Pruitt is doing um, I mean, I think I that the thing about this song is that even though it is so broad, we know what it's about. And if you can't relate to that, you can't relate to it. No, like I said, I don't skip the song. I think it's fun. I have, like, an emotional attachment, I guess, to it from my youth. So yeah. I like it. I don't skip it. <laughs> I skip I think that message who's laughing me why are you laughing at me because you said the way you said youth reminds me of schmidt when he (laughs) that's why i did it (laughs) (laughs) that's That's exactly why i said that like that thank you for (laughs) super delayed but i i appreciate it (laughs) she was trying not to laugh and then was like you know what i'm just gonna laugh you're being yeah. serious here. I mean, I don't know what there is else to say about this song, like from my perspective, because it's like I I like the song, like I, but I understand why people skip it. Okay, we just talked about bullying, Rebecca. Oh, no, well, Jesse just texted me. He's like, "Shut up, you're freaking moose out." So I guess I freaked out my dog, who's like on the other side of the door. Bullying is not funny. Yes. We do not. We absolutely we don't, don't condone bullying. We bully each other in a lighthearted way. Yeah, like when I was bullied into liking yes. a place in this world. Okay, I feel like that wasn't bullying. I feel like I had a really strong okay. argument and you I- all saw my side. <laughs> I'm just persuasive, okay? I think that's the definition of bullying. <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> Buy a dictionary. <laughs> Crack a book. <laughs> um, okay, so secret oh message. Wait, we're done okay. talking about this song, right? Yeah. Okay. The secret message is you yes. are not alone. Yes. Which yeah, is it. so fitting for this song because that's, yeah, that's very the sweet. Why, reason why she put it on the album. So, so many other people going through the same thing can have something like you said at the beginning Chandler like this song made you feel better like it made you feel like you know if Taylor went through it then it's gonna be all right because she's like yeah Taylor Swift so obviously I'll get through this yeah it's like medicine Rebecca would you like to introduce the Uh, section where we you ask what our favorite lyrics are (laughs) oh yeah um how did we did we okay Okay, what was everybody's favorite lyrics? <laughs> I don't know if I can really tell you guys mine. <laughs> All the only thing is I could say is, how could I ever try to be better? No, from a like I'm being serious at this point. I do think that's really like poignant, however you say that word, because like just trying, and it kind of reminds me of tying back into cold as you. I would say because like when you're giving, it, you have that drive to give anything and everything to someone and they aren't even they're they're not even gonna let you in at all and it just kind of reminds me of cold as you as we talked about with this person putting up the walls and not letting her in it's a very good it's yeah the same kind of thing like whether it be a friend group or significant other or 
you know, you're trying, you're trying, you're giving it your all, or you're just being yourself and they're just not accepting you. They're, they don't like you for whatever right. reason. And you're just like, yeah, what the hell? What, what do I, I have to, to do? To like, in a way, this, this could be a song, like if Taylor wrote a song like this now, it would definitely be a song that she is talking to like the media. She's talking to the general public. Yeah. Like, yeah. what can I do? To like, be what do you want from me? The perfect. Yeah, basically. Really? I agree. I think I think if I had to choose like I like I said I this isn't really one of my favorite songs. Um but she said I do agree with Becca and she says how can I ever try to be better nobody ever lets me in. It's also like it also like and we talked about how am, ambiguous this song is and I think that like this song could be related to you know a relationship. You know, this person has like this whole life and they're not letting you in. So it's almost like you're looking at their life from the outside when you should be included in what's happening. It, it's like in one of her um, newer songs. And I, to be honest, I can't remember what song it is, but she says, and I'm, and I'm begging for footnotes in the story of your life. Let's tolerate it. Is it? Y- yeah. I think it might be Tis the Damn Season, is but it? hold on. No, let's tolerate it. What did you guys say? I missed it. I was catching up on my neighborhood drama. I'm begging for notes in the story of your life. That is tall. Drawing parts from the byline. Always taking always taking too much space and time. Time. What would you do if I took this dagger? Okay. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's almost it's almost similar. Dramatic. Um, I'd say my favorite lyric is I've been a lot of lonely places. I've never been on the outside. And let me tell you why. Because I love how the background singers come in at that part. You can like really hear them. And they really support Taylor's voice in that moment. And it puts a lot of emphasis on those two lines. Which is great because the outside is the name of the song. But it kind of feels to me like those are the most important lines of the song. Yeah. Um, My favorite lines is, but no one notices until it's too late to do anything. Because I feel like, I don't know, in situations that I've personally been in, I like relate the most to this, these two lines. I don't know. I, I just, it's like the afterthought, you know, like people... People then will realize that they're, like, being wrong and then they'll come back and, like, won't, you know, want to be, like, your best friend or whatever. And you're, like, well, you can right. hurt me in this, this, and this situation. So, does anyone that's have just... any final thoughts? No, I don't think that's so. Okay. Yeah, I think this is it. And we're all, like, pretty dead all right. tired. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our podcast. Look out for our next episode where we continue our exploration of Taylor Swift's debut album with Tied Together with a Smile. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to get updates on next episodes. Handles for our social media can be found in the description. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. 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 Bye.